Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Repod It podcast presented by Rerouted. Rerouted is an online marketplace where people can buy and sell used outdoor gear. If you have gear to sell, please check out our app, the Rerouted app on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. If you're shopping for gear, check us out online, rerouted.co. That's R-E-R-O-U-T-E-D dot C-O. Now, on to the Repod It podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Repod It 2021 highlight reel. In this episode, we're just going to take a look back at some of our favorite pieces of conversations from the last year. We were only able to look at five different conversations, five different guests, and in some cases, these are what the guests came to talk about and just some keynotes from the podcast. In some cases, they're a little bit of a diversion, and just we got to a really cool spot, and I wanted to share it with you guys again. In this podcast, you'll hear from Conrad Anchor, Mason Gravely, Kelly Jones from No So Patches, Stephen Reinhold with Black Folks Camp 2, and Carrie Hoffman. A bunch of really special guests that we got to talk to, and we wanted to keep this under 30 minutes, so we unfortunately weren't able to feature as many guests as we would like, but these were some of our favorite conversations from 2021. How did you kind of transition into into mountaineering, and when, when did it become more than just an activity that you did with your family? Yeah. Um, so we would spend our vacations going between Highway 120, um, which is Tioga Pass, and then Highway 108, which is uh, Sonora Pass. And so we'd go in between north-south one year or south-north the other way. So we'd always do that trek um, or that distance within it. And that was always um, where I, you know, I, I was, where it was most special to me. And there was a moment when I, at about age 14, coming out of the mountains that the pine trees were fragrant, the birds were singing, the creek was there, the pack was felt light, everything was just like one of those moments. It was like, wow, this is where I'm happiest. What can I do in life to spend as much time outdoors? So, um, and then that led to um, hiking peaks and then um, scrambling like that. But um, I learned rope climbing on my own and then eventually um, going on to places uh, like Tahoma, Mount Rainier, um, then on to Denali. But just, um, um, yeah, by, by the time I was doing it, I, I, I was like there and climbing to me on this, um, it still has an intrinsic reward that helps me, um, be a human is what I live for that getting three body lengths off the ground where things change because you're at risk of injury and you have to, you focus and that's, that's what I need to meditate in this oversubscribed society. So I can't sit on a pillow and just get there. For me, it's like, because I'm a situationally aware person and we live in such a very oversubscribed, busy society that I have to be like, it has to be risky. And then that, that, that danger is calming in an odd way. <laughs> that's a little bit of a rabbit worn answer to your question well that that's so interesting go ahead mary i said i i really relate to everything about that you know my journey was the same i went outside and i was like how do i do more of this and then i taught myself ropes and i don't feel calm unless i go out and uh do that it's it's so interesting because for for so many people they go out on on you know 
some kind of trip somewhere in the outdoors and then they need time afterwards to kind of recharge for lack of a better lack of a better term for for that i know that i know that i'm that way i i love being in the outdoors but when i but when i get done with a with a long trip i do feel like i need some time some time to recharge a little bit it seems like for you guys you're that's where you recharge the best that's where you can kind of reach that that kind of full full capacity yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> I going outdoors where there's trees and everything like that it allows me to to sort of re release from so much that we have in society. And I come back physically tired, but sleep and 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 a healthy diet and and can are, are the foundation of that, but where I where I come back tired, my I am so much more like excited to to get into a workflow state if we can get that or do other things to be present with my family things like that that really um that it's that that manner in which we interact with nature and then also the manner in which we interact with other humans when we're in nature that makes this so precious and when seen through a prism of humanity going forward it's a it's a healthy way for us to to interact with other humans. And so the more that we can go outside and, and be humbled by nature and in turn depend on other people for that experience, that it really makes for um, a good way forward for, for all people. So many people have been getting into the outdoors over the last few years. And you talked about the inherent risk of of kind of being outside, and that's something that you find that you find comfort in, but that doesn't come with uh, with any any lack of preparation. Just because it's something that's comfortable for you, what are maybe some things that for somebody who's just getting into the outdoors, you would kind of warn them about as it comes to being risk aware when you're taking part in these outdoor activities? Well, gravity doesn't care how good how how experienced you are or what quality gear or what your astrological sign is. No gravity is this <laughs> constant. So for anybody is, who's just listening on the podcast, he dropped yeah. a pen from, from about two <laughs> feet up and it, and it just <laughs> falls like anything else. Yes. And so rule number one of being outdoors, gravity rules. <laughs> And two is, um, is be aware of your environment and where you're going and um, take care of the, uh, of the landscape. Um, try to be mindful of your presence. Um, don't pick flowers, don't take rocks. A lot of these common sense leave no trace rules that we, um, that we all, that are a, a good practices with us. But in terms of risk, um, know what afternoon thunderstorms are about. Um, study hypothermia and hyperthermia. So that's when your body gets too cold or too warm. Um, if you're uh, a person who likes to study, I um, consider becoming a wilderness first responder. It's great class and it'll help you be a better person in the outdoors. And it'll also help you um, as a citizen in day-to-day -day life. So if you were at the market and someone had something, you would be um, you will have trained a scenario in your background. So that sort of 
pre-training a scenario is another good way to address risk with that. But um, yeah, by the same measure, go out there and yeah, know what, don't get sunburned, but if you do get sunburned, know how it happens. So the next time you, you know, wear proper sun protection, um, know what, why you want to wear wool socks as opposed to cotton socks and you know, how you take care of your feet. Um, little things that go a long ways. Um, knowing what your food preferences are and how you cook in, um, on your camping trip are all really helpful things. But um, yeah, there's some, um, don't, don't be afraid go out there and, and, and get on your first adventure. Go tomorrow. This weekend is calling you. Kelly, the founder of No So Patches. Kelly, how's it going? Really good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. It's uh, it's great to catch up with you. I know that uh, we we were kind of kind of hit and miss. I we always always seem to catch you at the wrong times uh, when we were at Outdoor Retailer, but stoked to bring you back and and catch up with you now <laughs> in a in a more planned setting for sure. Where then did you get the idea for Noso? When did that kind of become become a part of what you were doing? Oh, well, so when we moved, so when I moved to Jackson, everyone uh, repairs their gear with tape, duct tape, scotch tape, gorilla tape. And I never really understood that. I was like, oh, I guess it was some sort of, you know, hardcore guy, badge of honor, you know, put some tape on that jacket. But I just thought it was incredibly ugly and I have long hair, you know, and um, I tore my Patagonia Fitzroy jacket on a barbed wire fence and I didn't want to put another piece of duct tape on all, like I had so much duct tape on my gear. And so I came up with no so in my garage. I tested all these different fabrics and melted down a lot of different adhesives and <laughs> found a really good combination that worked. Um, and I was cutting them on my exacto with my exacto knife on a cutting board for my friends. And when I was in there, Jackson home was Jackson Hole Mountain Resorts tram line, I'd wear like my little heart shaped patches on my sleeve and everybody was asking where I got it. And I said, I made it. So after that, I knew it was like a business idea because everybody wanted one. Mason Gravely of the Adventure Sports Podcast and Athletic Brewing Company. Mason, how's it going today, man? Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on. It's going great, man. It's going great. That's uh, we have known each other a couple of years now. So it's it's kind of cool just to stay in touch. You're on the West Coast right now, uh, maybe against your will in a couple of <laughs> ways. And I'm on the East Coast. And so it's it's just awesome to be able to connect again. And yeah, I, I tell people all the time about what you are doing at Rerouted, how much I love the idea and how much there needs to be something like this in the world. Uh, especially with the explosion of outdoor gear. I know that used gear was how I did half my trips to make it affordable. And so and to this day, everything I buy is pretty much used. So um, love what y'all are doing. So thanks yeah. for having me back on. Why do you think Alabama and, and this trip stood out so much? Do you think it was because of the expectations? You know, you maybe maybe weren't expecting it to be to be as beautiful. And, and I, as kind of a follow-up question, what does that say about kind of your expectations leading into a trip and how they can kind of, you know, frame how you actually end up thinking about it? Well, it's something I try to talk about a lot in Midget Sports Podcasts is you don't have to be in, you know, in the Alps or in the Rockies or 
in, in, in these amazing places to have real adventure and to have life-changing experiences. You don't have to, you don't have to do the biggest trips. You just have to go out there and be willing to see things through a certain lens. Um, you know, I, someone rode by my house the other day uh, and I, on a bike packing bike and I'm like, Hey, where are you going? They said, going to the keys, the Florida keys. I'm like, where are you coming from? They said, Colorado. And I thought, holy crap, this person is having a life-changing adventure. For them, it's some foreign land, Florida. You know, it ain't that foreign, you know, but but it is a lot of people. It's pretty Um, foreign. It's pretty foreign, yeah, for even the states. foreign nowadays. But for me, it was right outside my front door. To me, it's a super familiar place. But to that person, it's it's an entire adventure. It's a whole new world. And we don't have to feel like, you know, our routine is boring. Because to somebody somewhere, they have had a life-changing experience in the same places you call home or you call boring or you call your routine or your commute. Uh, And if you start viewing things like that, you can really start getting a lot of satisfaction out of just viewing life as one big adventure. And so I think why that's why these places are starting to stick out to me more is because, um, you don't have a lot of expectations and you don't really know what's going to be going on there. Uh, I, I, you don't do a lot of research. A lot of times you, you talk to anybody who's traveled around the world or done places, you know, done so much. They're like, there's the A list of things that people hit, you know, I don't know, the pyramids, Rome, you know, Coliseum. There's all these things that everyone knows about, but there are lists and lists and lists of just as amazing things on list B, C, D that honestly, is a better experience because there aren't as many people there or it's not as hyped or, uh, you know, a great example is the Colorado 14ers. Those are the mountains over 14,000 feet. They get so much attention that when you climb one in the middle of the summer, there might be a hundred people on one peak and 40 dogs and kids and not strollers necessarily, but just people. And that's great. I'm glad people are getting out, but if you're looking for that outdoor experience, it'll, it'll definitely take away from that. But Right across the valley is a mountain 100 feet lower. That might be a 13er. No one will be on that one. No one. No, there might not even be a trail going to it. Going You'll to probably I mean, there, have there a lot are. more fun kind of being you in will. your own space. You will. You will have a lot more fun, greater experience. So I think I'm really liking these places that, uh, that aren't filled with people just shooting for that destination. Another great example is the Louvre. Uh, in Paris, the, the the museum, it's enormous. It would take you like a year to walk through that whole thing. 85% of people go straight to the Mona Lisa and then leave. 80, I think that's the estimate, 85%. There's so much to see there. And if you just walk, I mean, there, you can have entire rooms to yourself in that place if you just decide to go see some other stuff. Break, so break I, off from the like tour that. group type of thing, you know? Yeah. And you don't have to like it, it, those things. It's totally worth going to see the Mona Lisa. It's totally worth climbing a 14er. Um, but if you're feeling like it's just crowded or, or you're tired of that, it is not very hard in any, any way, any location to just get off the beaten path, just a step or two. And you're in a whole new world. And that's the same with our normal life. Like it's not hard to take one or two steps out of your normal routine to have a really amazing experience really close to home today i am thrilled to be joined by carrie from bigger life adventures and grand canyon eco retreat carrie how's it going today 
going great. Um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Did I did I get all of uh, all of the stuff stuff correct? I I tried to I tried to get a get a refresh right before we right before we started here. But bigger life adventures and yes. Grand Canyon Eco Retreat. Yes, those are my two businesses, my two babies. Awesome. Before we before we get started on uh, on some other little stuff, I'll give you a chance to plug them both at the end. But um, what do, what do you do? What do you do with those businesses? So I started Bigger Life Adventures a few years ago, and we run um, yoga and adventure retreats in cool locations um, around the country, and now starting to be around the world. And our focus is on um, you know sober, healthy out of your comfort zone, like outdoor adventures, along with yoga and healthy food and lots of other fun stuff. And then Grand Canyon Eco Retreat is kind of like a location-based extension of that business. Um, my partner and I bought some property in Northern Arizona a couple of years ago and started to create a little off-grid um, glamping type retreat center. So that's what we do there. Another big piece of my story is getting sober. So I quit drinking when I was 29. And when I quit drinking, I suddenly had a lot more free time on my hands um, to use to go outside or surf or go on backpacking trips. And I got into rock climbing around that time as well. So once I was not going to the bars or spending my time like hungover like I used to. I had a lot more time to follow my passions for being outside. That's awesome. So I guess where where were kind of your favorite um your favorite places to sort of to sort of escape and and some of your favorite spots that you would go to uh kind of during that time? Ooh, that's a good question. Um during that time, kind of in early sobriety, I went on a backpacking trip with a friend in Sequoia National Park, and I'll always remember that trip um, for how beautiful it was and how supportive and wonderful my conversations were with my friend because she had kind of walked the path and gotten sober one year before I did. So that trip was really beautiful and transformational, and it was my first time doing like a winter backpacking trip. So we went in November and it was my first time with all my like cold weather gear and sleeping bags. And I felt like such a survivor afterwards. <laughs> um, and then I also went to Catalina Island and hiked the Trans Catalina Trail for the first time at about six months sober. So um, hiking that trail also just made me feel really capable um, and positive and, you know, like everything was going to be okay. It's like, it was a tumultuous time in my life emotionally, but when I was out on the trails, I just felt like everything would be okay. Steven Reinhold is with us and he's involved in a million different really cool initiatives and projects uh, related to the outdoors. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it off to him so that I don't I don't speak out of turn and, and let him explain all the all the things that he's got going on. Steven, we're absolutely thrilled to have you today. Right on, Brian and Chap. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here today, too. So, uh, like I said, I appreciate y'all having me today. And I'll, I'll just kind of start out with a, with a brief introduction. So, like, like you said, my name is Steven Reinhold, and I am the owner of the Appalachian Adventure Company. Um, I'm also a brand ambassador for Backpacker Magazine. Uh, I started the hashtag trash tag uh, online social media cleanup effort a couple years ago, which went kind of big. And then uh, Currently, uh, my main gig right now is the director of adventure at Black Folks Camp 2, which is a 
an amazing organization that kind of removes fears, add knowledge, and invites more Black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. Is that national or is it kind of regional right now? Well, I think, you know, I think we're on the cusp of worldwide almost, honestly. It's hey, a, it's a, congratulations. It's, a, <laughs> it's an interesting age with uh, the, the digital age, right, where you can kind of reach everybody. But the uh, the hub of Black Folks Camp, too, is in the southeast, uh, based out of North Carolina. Uh, the, the founder and president of that organization is a guy named Earl B. Hunter, Jr. Uh, he worked in the RV industry for, for many years um, and, you know, was kind of like a shining star in that industry in the sales perspective. And uh, he, he started the organization in uh, I believe October 2019, uh, and it's since it's seen a lot of popularity and, and, and growth, uh, particularly because the the message is so good. Uh, like I said, Earl, he's a he's a shining star, and uh, but also just kind of the uh, yeah yeah basically the, the message is so good, right? It's like camp with anybody and everybody, and uh, let's all get in this together. Let's get all in the boat boat and row together uh, and enjoy the outdoors together. It, it so aligns with our mission to facilitate access and education to wilderness and wilderness areas. When you're seeing and helping to get these people outdoors, can you speak to a little bit the, the role used gear currently plays and, and maybe some, some ways you see that, you know, we could help enable getting more used gear to these people uh, uh, that really could use it and want to give it a second life out in the mountains? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of ways that used gear comes into play. I mean, I mean, particularly, I think a lot of us that do outdoor stuff are outfitted with extra sets of gear, right? So I think that the biggest thing that anybody can do is to take their friends camping, right? Figure yeah. out a, figure out somebody that hasn't camped before and invite them to camp, right? Whatever community is that you like, kind of identify with that mission, right? Is like, just invite them to go camp with you. Um, so that's one big way, uh, you know, but if you have extra gear, getting it out to people is a, is a cool thing, but honestly, the opportunity to get used gear at a cheaper price uh, is good for anybody. Right. And I, I think that's a that's a cool kind of initiative or mission that y'all have brought together to kind of uh, create this hub for that as well. And and honestly, I'm I'm a fan of used gear. I mean, I, I like my new shiny stuff, too, but I absolutely love uh, I prefer my Patagonia stuff to have rips and holes and used to be duct tape. Now I got unity blazes all over it. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But like for, for me, there's a there's a story with that. Right. It's uh, um, it, it's cool to kind of, you know, be connected with the, the, the past adventure through through gear. You said 2019 was when Black Folks Camp 2 uh Yeah, October came 2019, Earl launched it at the uh, uh, Outdoor Economy Conference in Asheville. And he started out singing, the change is going to come. I think, I believe Sam Cook, right? Uh, and it was incredible. It, like woke me up in the background. I was like, this is dude I want to work with. Um, I've worked, I've been in the outdoor industry for, for a while now. I worked with uh, an organization called Big City Mountaineers for seven or eight years. I was kind of one of their uh, lead recruiters for their Summit for Someone program, which is where you could... Uh, basically sign up for a big mountain, go climb it and, and raise money to take kids on wilderness mentoring trips. Right. So I wasn't uh, by any means new to the uh, kind of the mission, the organization. And again, like growing up in the Southeast with kind of ambiguously brown skin, I, I identify with the mission quite a bit, right. Of, uh, of feeling welcomed in the outdoors and like certain things not making you feel welcome, like intentionally. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, a blessing in disguise, I guess, a little bit to, uh, to be able to, to feel a little bit what that kind of feels like, but I'm, I'm going to be fully honest, like full disclosure, you go back a couple years. I was that dude that was like, Hey, everybody, I mean, we all own public lands equally. Like what, what's the problem, right? Anybody can go out. Anybody can do this. Anybody can do that. But like I said, through growth, through like having those conversations around the campfire, I understand more things, you know, particularly in the, the Southeast things like, uh, 
like, like generational fears, right? Things that have been passed down about don't go into the woods at night because bad things happen, right? Don't, don't do like, you can't swim. So you can't cross this river to escape or the, like the, the swimming pools were segregated. All these things that I've heard around the campfire have been very impactful for me. Um, and again, I, th I think I truly think like the campfire, we always say Earl always says it's just like portal to amazing conversations. And I, I think it is just the perfect place to have these conversations and for everybody to, to grow and realize and, and get this knowledge and then move forward. Cause like I said, again, we, we really, really specifically focus on like 20% of our time about identifying problems. Right. But, but 80% of it finding solutions. And so for, for us right now, the, the unity blaze is the, is the solution, not just as like a, a product or a, you know, a, a fundraising thing, but it's really kind of like a symbol that everybody can gather around. Right. It's not just the actual campfire. I mean, online, well, we're rocking like hashtag unity blaze. And so people can, can gather around that. They can get their blazes. They can make their post. Uh, they can talk about what unity in the outdoors means to them. Uh, if they don't feel like they're being treated equally in the outdoors, they can talk about that. Right. So the rest of us know, right. The rest of us kind of are, are part of that conversation. So it's uh, yeah. Again, you know, for me, I think it's um, hopefully it's a way to have an impact, have a, have a lasting impact on the, the outdoors um, kind of the, the bigger picture of the outdoors, hopefully. That's going to do it for Repot It in 2021. Thanks to everyone who rode with us throughout the year. We had an awesome time providing content for you guys, and we're looking forward to doing a bunch more so in the future. Thanks to all of our guests on Repot It. There's way too many to rattle off right now, but we absolutely appreciate every single person that comes on this podcast and their time and their stories and the things that they share with us. As always, if you're looking for gear, check out our website, rerouted.co. If you have gear to list, check out our app on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, the Rerouted app. It's super, super easy to upload any gear that you've got sitting around in the garage. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day.